Hey everybody, this is Lewis Hurd. I am a student attending Lutheran High School North. The purpose of this podcast is to inform the audience about communism, what communism actually is, and is to help the audience actually sway away from the beliefs or stereotypes of communism and what it actually includes. For my project, I decided to interview Mr. Prollo. Uh, Mr. Prollo is a teacher at Lutheran High School North. Mr. Prollo teaches several of the history classes, including the ACC U.S. history class, which happens to be an advanced college credit class. So the first question I asked Mr. Prollo was about the knowledge that he possessed about communism and some of the beliefs and experiences that Mr. Prollo had, especially since he was a child that was raised during the Cold War. So I thought it might be, I thought I might take it to my, to my advantage that I could interview him and speak to him about his beliefs about it and his own personal experiences. It's hard to argue that communism has not benefited everybody in some way, shape, or form in communist China. Now, let's go back to some of the struggles they had where they moved the urban kids into the rural communities and the rural kids into the urban communities. Um, there is still... Uh, people, there are still people disappearing, there are still people who are arrested for their statements and their beliefs. You do not have freedom of expression, you do not have freedom of communication. These are all issues that arise uh, within the context of our, uh, our modern day society. And so I don't think you can fix communism. Because communism, again, is based upon the principle of everyone will work hard for the benefit of everybody else. And it just doesn't work because we are sinful. Um, the benefits, the trickle-down idea, we see that that does not work in a capitalistic society. You need some kind of a referee. In China, my impression is, from having studied that, um, your people who control the Chinese Communist Party are the ones who control society and control cultural activities in general. You can enjoy yourself, you can have fun, you can travel overseas, you can get an education, but if you step out of line and get the wrong person's attention, your development is going to be stunted by them. All they have to do is prohibit you from leaving, arrest a member of your family, um, accuse you of something, and automatically you can't, you can't go. So. Those are some of the issues that come in. We keep, we keep forgetting that communism in these places, while individually people may look like and appear like they happen to have freedom, do not. Um, you can't write what you want in an editorial. Uh, and, that, and that's one of our dilemmas today, is that uh, the accusations of a fake news kind of setting here in this country has permitted other authoritarian cultures to arrest and detain journalists, and you know, you see who Times Mag uh, Time Magazine's Person of the Year is now, don't you? Did you see that? I have not looked good. It's the journalists who have been detained or killed, and so this is sort of like a velvet dictatorship. We all feel good, but there are certain things you cannot do, or you run the risk of antagonizing those who are in power, mm -hmm. and then you pay the price. And sometimes it's disappearing for a while. Sometimes it's losing the opportunity for your kid to go to school. 
uh, you don't have the right connections. Those are some of the dangers in this kind of a society. Again, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So the consolidation of power oftentimes leads to only one true patriot, and that's the leader. So I don't, I don't see any way of tempering communism uh, without freedom of speech and freedom of thought, and that's not going to happen because you're loyal to the state. Mm -hmm. The state and the single party create that. No, no. You know, and I, I think that any time you have the government serve as a referee, that, like the progressives envisioned, I think you have an opportunity to... And especially large segments of society, the danger is the government then bolts its bureaucracy, as you saw happening in the socialist states. After, uh, after the communists took over Eastern Europe and the danger of those problems in a socialist society, which is more geared towards revolutionary socialism. Democratic socialism possibly becomes uh, a workable thing, but the dilemma there is once the government becomes a player in the uh, industrial sector and the production center, uh, the government has a stake in its own success. And then competition begins to fade. And if you don't have competition, you eliminate the principles of capitalism. And the government can suppress. I mean, we, we saw this in some of the court cases in the United States, where in McCulloch v. Maryland, the power to tax, the power to regulate, is also the power to kill. You can kill corporations. You can kill those kinds of things with the power of government. So how do you rein in government at the same time use government as a referee? The second question I asked Mr. Prado was that if he was the leader of a communistic state or nation, how would he rule it and how would he would reform it or how he would adapt it to fit the benefits of all the people and to fit all the needs of the people as well? Marx was writing in reaction to the conditions of Great Britain. He thought that the first communist revolution would be in Great Britain. Mm -hmm. And the communist revolution, the first communist revolution, was in Russia. And what happened is Lenin adapted communism to fit Russia, because Russia was only 13% urban at the time. And Marx visualized everything taking place in Great Britain because of the industrial factories and the, the squalor that people lived in and the tenement societies and those types of things. So. Um, his idealism and his idea of the progress of history to improve things uh, was adapted by Lenin for the particular issues in Russia at the time. And almost immediately, Lenin moved to consolidate power. And that's the thing, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So Lenin decided that what he was going to do is eliminate Trotsky. Because Trotsky had a worldview, Lenin had a more practical view. And when Lenin died, so suddenly after he began to blot out his enemies, uh, Stalin takes over and Stalin finishes the job. And Stalin creates this totalitarian system uh, which suppresses dissent and, and forces people to shut up or die. Um, of the Ukrainians, the black flag over the town and those types of things, uh, 
you know, he probably killed more people than Hitler did, mm -hmm. but he was our ally in World War II. Um, now, you also have to remember that the brand of so-called communism in China under Mao is different than the brand of communism that you have in the Soviet Union. And the brand of communism in North Korea is different than the brand of Chinese communism. Uh, what we're seeing is that as communism attempts to create a, an industrialized modern society is that as it succeeds uh, over the bodies of many <laughs> and the lives of many, uh, it then begins to adapt Western ideals and Western, Western cultural values. Um, you look at the Soviet Union, and as it collapsed, they moved towards uh, higher standards of living and capitalistic principles and those types of things. Ironically, they will now go through the same process we did, which is robber barons or entrepreneurs. Um, you have a crony-type capitalism that you've got in the Soviet Union and then becomes Russia. You have a crony-type capitalism, uh, which is sort of driving the upper classes of China. Um, and while it's still a communist one-party state, you have that tempered idea, indeed, that people will work hard if they see some return to themselves. And so communism is becoming more of a practical thing now, adapting some of the principles of capitalism. The issue here, though, in a communist state, of course, is that there is no free expression, no freedom of uh, uh, individual uh, decision-making and those types of things. So the final thing that I asked him wasn't really much of a question. It was more of to get an understanding of what he was trying to get at during the whole conversation. Um, so basically, I asked him what his point was trying to ask him that you can't control right from wrong, especially since that we are human beings and we are flawed in our own ways. But those ways may be unique and there's just not enough room and there's just not enough time or right or good in the world in order for us to have a good communistic, um, communistic nation that's actually successful. Well... <laughs> Communism as a philosophy and form of government is based on the idea that human beings are basically good mm -hmm. and will work for each other. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at the traditional Judeo-Christian idea mm -hmm. of human beings, we are all born in original sin. Mm -hmm. So the basic assumption about communism is erroneous. Um, if you look at if you look at the theory behind communism and why it's carried out is remember that it was a reaction to the terrible, terrible conditions uh, in the workforce by the workplace uh, in the capitalistic system where you have social Darwinism creating the, the basis for those who are on top owe those on the bottom absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. So communism as a theory to solve and resolve the problems of capitalism and unbridled capitalism and non-regulated capitalism, that's a commendable thing in the sense and tradition of trying to right the wrongs that have been created. So if you look at all the conditions, you can go all the way back to the 
uh, Tory reforms of the 1830s, and the English begin to try and deal with those issues. Uh, I suppose for most laymen, the best example of that is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Um, but you can carry that right on into American society in the context of the jungle. And if you look at the 1870s and 80s, uh, oftentimes the marginalized immigrant, the marginalized person of color, they were resorting to communism because it promised them equality. It promised them a chance to negotiate with the overwhelming power of the individual uh, corporation and the individual company. And most corporations at that time were not owned by shareholders as much as they were controlled by either the robber barons or entrepreneurs, depending on how you want to look at them. So um, again, it was a reaction to the abuses of capitalism. And, you know, capitalism is great, but it has its problems, so you resolve them. Communism, ideally, is good. In fact, the early Christians practiced communism. They shared everything together. Uh, but, again, communism is attempting to create a utopia. And as part of the 1870s and 80s, that comes from the 1830s and 40s and 50s of creating utopian societies and great reforms. Um, I think that that was tempered then by socialism, in which the government begins to take a hand. And socialism, many Americans are uncomfortable with, but it's been proven to work reasonably well to fix the problems of communism as opposed to, uh, as opposed to capitalism. And remember, the fear of communism, especially among the upper classes uh, and the lower middle class in particular, leads to fascism and Nazism. So I, that's, that's just the sequential stuff. So um, uh, overall, this whole entire presentation, this whole entire project, it was pretty fun. The interviewing was pretty fun. The parking, the podcast was pretty fun. Um, while I was doing this project, I did learn a lot of myself. Um, I thought I had a good understanding of communism and how it worked in the inside functions and the outside functions of it. But apparently I didn't. As I was doing research, I found out more and more and more that there was more layers upon layers upon layers of information that I did not know. Um, for instance, I didn't know that Karl Marx, um, his idea of communism wasn't an act, exact blueprint of communism. It was more of a structured, a structured outline where gaps need to be filled in with information or filled in with um, filled in with different ways to help benefit people, um, not just benefiting one specific individual. But it happens that people take over, people take the idea and they manipulate it in their own ways. And they take communism and they make it so it benefits the uh, benefits the head of the state or the nation. Um, but yeah, I think that more than likely I want to do another one of these again. It was really fun. Um, I thank Mr. Dixon. I thank Mr. Prolo, especially Luther North, for allowing me to have this chance to do a project like this, especially with communism, because it's something that I strongly believe in and it's something that I really think could change the world if done properly and if we do it and we just all suck it up and just come together for the benefits of everybody. And thank you everybody and good night.